gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As it turns out, I am not very fond of the process of calling customer service. I know that's a hot take here this morning, but hear me out, right? I generally don't call in a good mood, we'll say, right? Because if I'm calling, I have a problem. I have a problem that needs to get fixed, right? So, for example, it's, uh, I, I need to change the address for my student loans today, right? Or, or maybe my internet's not working, or I need to find out more information about this extended car warranty that I don't remember purchasing, but you guys keep calling me about, and it, there's gotta be more to it, right? Come on. And I call, I call already annoyed, right? And then I'm even more annoyed at how pleasant the people are. Like, overly pleasant. Like, just like, oh, that sounds so bad. Oh, your internet's not working. How hard is your life, sir? You know, they just really annoy me. And, and then the most annoying question of all is the million-dollar question. In any customer service phone call, it's, what can I do for you today? Oh, <laughs> you don't want to know. I want you to not make this an hour-long phone call. That's what I want. I want you to cancel my student loans, but I'll settle for a change of address, right? Don't ask me that question unless you really want to know what I really, really want. You see, that's the challenge, right? That's the challenge, because I recognize that what I really want isn't always what is possible, but then today I am reminded that for God, all oh, Things are possible. Certainly, certainly that is the case with blind Bartimaeus. And I use that title intentionally because almost any Bible you open, that's the way the story is framed. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. But I think before we go any further, it's important that we recognize that a single characteristic defines not a person. Bartimaeus is so much more than his blindness. This story is about so much more than him regaining sight. This story is about a call. It's about a call into service. It's a call to follow. It's a call to be one of Jesus's earliest followers. And sure, miraculously, he will regain his sight, but he already saw more than the disciples could ever see. Without ever even laying eyes on Jesus, Bartimaeus knew who Jesus 
was and is. And he said, this is the son of David. The very first person in Mark's gospel to ever make such a claim, but certainly not the last to claim this Davidic lineage. Because truthfully, not long after, in fact, the next thing that's going to happen is Jesus is going to end up in Jerusalem in that palm procession where the crowds shout out to this Davidic son. Indeed, Bartimaeus is the first to see something the crowds will soon cry out. But in the meantime, this crowd is focused on silencing Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, you see, is a beggar, likely due to his visual impairment. And so he is supposed to beg, not badger. Be seen, but not heard. Right? He is supposed to sort of live on the peripherals and not get in the way. And so when he approaches Jesus, the crowd immediately yanks him back and says, do not disturb him. And this isn't the first time that we've seen this sort of scene play out. It wasn't long ago that we heard about the children coming forward to Jesus and the disciples trying to push them away and Jesus welcoming them in. And we see this play out even in our world. I mean, we literally have architectural drawings from like the 60s where we have a designated cry room, a glass room to keep the crying to, so it can't be heard, but certainly you can still be seen. So these realities apply yet to our society. Let's not kid ourselves. But quickly, Jesus says, call him forward. And that's what the crowd does. The crowd says, get up, take heart, and go. And there's two thoughts I have about this. First is how fickle is this crowd, right? Just moments earlier, they're yanking Bartimaeus away from Jesus, and suddenly, oh, go, please, no, no, go, go. Jesus needs you, right? How quickly we change our tune. The second thing that really stands out is a particular word, call. Call him forward. Because as I already mentioned, this, more than anything, is a story of call. This is a miracle, but it is a miracle that leads to the calling of Bartimaeus to follow. And it's in this moment, it's in this moment that Jesus asks that million-dollar customer service question, what would you like me to do for you? Now, I've spent a lot of time this week thinking about how would I answer that question. By Jesus standing in front of me, Jesus said, what would you like me to do for you? Where do I begin? Where do I begin? Well, first, let's get rid of this pandemic, could we? Could we just like be done with it and pretend it never happened? Or at the very least, be done with construction? Like, I'll settle for that, I guess. But like, can we move on from these difficult and jarring realities? Or, or maybe, maybe I would say, well, could you just heal? all of the people on our prayer list and all the people sick in our community. It would just make my life a lot easier and it would make all our lives easier. Could you just do me a favor? Or, or maybe even further, could you just mend our broken relationships? We all have them. We all know what that feels like. It's not good. Can you mend the broken relationships in our families or this community or the world? That would be great. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then it hits me that this isn't even the first time Jesus has even asked this question. It wasn't long back that he was asking this very same question of James and John. You want to know what they asked for? Power and prestige. Let me sit at your right hand 
and at your left hand. I want to feel like a king. And so it's on that backdrop that we get to hear Bartimaeus make the simple and, of course, logical request, knowing what we know about him, to have his sight regained. And immediately, we're told, immediately that very thing happens because for God, all things are possible, even returning sight to the blind. And that's when we get a little bit more detail as to how it works, right? How does this miracle work? We're told his faith made him well. His faith made him well. Which means, as far as I can read it, his faith made this event possible. This is the part that I hate about this particular story. I hate that idea that it was Bartimaeus' faith that made him well. Because you know what it says to me? It says to me that I'm not faithing hard enough. That if I was just like Bartimaeus, if I just believed as hard as Bartimaeus, I would get everything that I want. And clearly I don't. And so clearly the problem is me. That I am not faithful enough. And if I just try a little bit harder, if I just squeeze a little bit more faith out of myself, that maybe, just maybe, God, who can make all things possible, would do at least some of the things on my to-do list. When I hear that phrase, it makes me question, then, why are miracles so sparse? Because I'm surrounded by people who are deeply faithful, and yet we suffer. And it's in this moment of self-loathing, it's in this moment of deep questioning, that I need to be reminded that I have to take a step back and see that, again, this isn't about the miracle, at least not the miracle of sight. Instead, it's about the miracle of the call. The calling here is what is so deeply important and so easily missed time after time after time. And let me tell you something. A call is nothing short of miraculous. Ask my mom about that, right? If you asked her, you know, did you think Zach was going to be a pastor one day? She goes, <laughs> no, no, of course not. I called her when I told her this is what I wanted to do, and she got real quiet and said, why? That, okay, that is my call story. Miraculous, right? But truthfully speaking, it is miraculous here, right? Our calling is about a faith relationship with God and the people of God, the community of God. It is about coming to understand how we can be in relationship with God, the God who made all things and all people, not about what can I coerce out of God. Faith is not about coercing what we want to happen out of God. It's not a genie here. It is a relationship. It is a relationship and it's a relationship that calls us to follow, to follow the son of David along the way. The way leads to, you guessed it, the cross. The very next steps for Jesus are to Jerusalem to face that reality, a reality that he's laid out for his disciples not once, not twice, but thrice already, a reality that he will suffer, die, and rise again. That's the way. That's the way that we are called to follow. You know what's crazy? Is people still do it. The disciples still do it. Jesus has told them three times, and they hate it each time, and they still follow. Bartimaeus just gets up and follows. We, 2,000 years later, still follow. But perhaps even more remarkable to me is that God still calls us, that God is still calling as yet today. In spite of our, our blindness, or perhaps our age, or our resources, or lack thereof, or our proper amount of faith, 
God still calls us to follow because God recognizes in each and every one of us that who we were made to be, who we were created as, is more than enough. It's more than enough for God to do miraculous things, to feed the sick and hungry, to care for the poor, to love those who live on the margins of society. And we can do that even with all of the barriers that we may think stand between us and those lofty goals. This is about a calling into a relationship with the God who deeply understands and shares in the human condition. And that itself is miraculous. We have a God who loves us so deeply that God became flesh and died for us and dies with us, that we may know eternal life. And so, yeah, I want my miracles to come true. Perhaps today the most miraculous thing is to be reminded that we are called, that we are called to follow, and that in following, we will come to see the fullness of God's love. So thanks be to God for that call and for you who follow along. Amen.